Hi there, welcome back to the Bible Project Daily Podcast. And today we're in the second of our 14-day bonus season, Experiencing God Day by Day. These bonus episodes are created from the audiobook version of a book I had published in 2012 called Experiencing God Day by Day. Really a book of Christian apologetics. I'm using this as an opportunity to give me some time to prepare as we launch off in our next big step in our journey through the entire Bible, which is going to be the book of Exodus. So I do hope you find today's chapter of benefit to you. It's really a chapter that looks at the creation as revealed in the book of Genesis and beyond and asks some very key questions and hopefully answer some of those accusations that are thrown against it from people who approach it from more of a scientific or even an atheistic, humanistic point of view. I do hope you find it helpful and it plants a few seeds of ideas into how we, as Christians, believing the Bible to be the Word of God, might still be able to find the infinite creative God can exist with an orthodox Christian understanding of the world and that God was revealed in the Bible in a way that anyone, scientific or otherwise, atheist, humanistic or otherwise, can understand and establish a relationship with the God of creation for themselves. I do hope you find it helpful. Experiencing God Day by Day by Jeremy R. McCandless Chapter 2 Who Came First? Scripture Reference In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1 Dad, who made God? asked my six-year-old son many years ago. I'm sure I was not the first parent to be asked such a specific question. Neither was I the first to struggle with an answer. I suspect I mumble something about God being all-powerful and a creator and quickly move the subject on to safer and easier ground. Looking back, I do not think my response quite stacked up, particularly when put up against and measured against what the writer and the Apostle Paul recommended 2,000 years ago when he wrote to his friend Peter and said, Always be ready, always be able to give an answer to every man or woman that asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, doing it with meekness and respect. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 If I had known then what I have come to understand over the last few years, and with the benefit of hindsight, I might have answered something along the lines of, No one made God. He was not made because the Creator has always existed. Only things that they themselves have a beginning like you and me would need a Creator. The Creator did not have a beginning, and therefore he did not need a maker. In fact, the very reason we call him God is because he is Creator God. It is because of the very fact that he does not have a beginning. God did not need to be made. Considering that question again now, certainly a little older, but not necessarily any wiser, I am led to ponder the religious, scientific, and even the philosophical aspects of this what many call the question of questions. Many atheists who deny the existence of God do not believe that the universe was made. To them it seems it has been there forever. Those with an interest in science may appeal to the first law of thermodynamics for support which states energy can neither be created nor destroyed. 
therefore energy, thereby the universe, has existed forever. I believe there are several thoughts that as Christians we might offer in response to that perspective. Firstly, this first law stands alone as a scientific principle. However, this way of presenting the first law is not really a scientific statement. Rather, it is a philosophical assertion. Science is based on observation, and there is no observational evidence that can support this statement when offered in this particular format. Perhaps it is a better statement when scientifically framed to be as far as we can observe the amount of energy in the universe remains constant. No one has ever observed energy either coming into or going out of existence. The first law of thermodynamics has much to teach us, but many science confirms that it has absolutely nothing conclusive to say about the age of the universe itself. It simply states that the amount of energy observable in the universe is constant. It cannot conclusively say if that energy is external or whether that energy was in fact created. Assuming the first possibility, that energy is eternal and constant, most scientists believe it is meaningless to ask who created the universe. It is a circular question. As both propositions state that they are eternal and that they must have existed. However, if God exists and is eternal, then he who has no beginning does in fact exist. It then becomes absurd to ask the question who made God. It's almost like asking to be introduced to a bachelor's wife. Some atheists I meet are full of bluster about how you cannot prove that God exists or they offer to debate scientific theories that neither I nor I suspect them are really qualified to discuss. Very often when one digs a little below the surface you find that the real reason for a person's rejection of the Christian faith is emotional rather than scientific. Sometimes the death of a loved one or an example of suffering they have experienced is actually the thing that led to the cause of their rejection of the very idea of God. Sometimes it can be a marriage that did not work out, or sadly, for some, it can also be their personal experience or negative encounters with Christians or the Christian church. It is that itself which has caused the damage. Sometimes their rejection of belief in God is simply down to their own personal rejection by a significant person in their life, like another family member. The illusion often presented on the surface is often that their decision to reject God was an intellectual one is not in fact true, but the real fact is usually made up of several components involving social and emotional aspects. I wish more people would be more honest about the real reason for having the beliefs they have, or rather than pretending it's all intellectual or scientific. A. R. Damasio, one of the 20th century's leading psychologists, is said to have demonstrated from research that virtually all decision-making is motivated and driven by emotion rather than from intellect. For Damasio, reason without emotion is seen to be nothing. However, for the Christian believer, when we see reason expressed without love, then it becomes in fact less than nothing. The followers of the three main world Abrahamic faiths, Christianity, Islam and Judaism, all believe in a creator God and a world that did indeed have a beginning. It seems logical to me that everything that has a beginning then must have a beginner. 
Some philosophers, as well as scientists, also state that perhaps the world did not have a beginning. They also say that maybe the world has existed forever. Many are unable to come up with a definitive answer to that question. The famous British philosopher Bertrand Russell put it this way, Either the world had a beginning, or it did not. If it did, then it did not need a cause, i.e. God. And if it did, we can ask who caused God. But if God had a cause, he therefore can no longer be God. So in either case, we do not arrive at an answer. Russell's brilliant statement assumes that when trying to answer this difficult question about belief, that those who believe in God argue that everything must have a cause, when in fact the Christian believer would argue it is only true that everything has a beginning must have a cause. In other words, everything that has a beginning had a creator. That being the case, we need to show that the universe had a beginning to show that there must have been a cause, i.e. God. A foundational argument for the universe having a beginning is because if the universe was infinite and thus never had a beginning, then we would never have arrived at today, which we clearly have. In general, most philosophers believe that you cannot have an infinite number of moments because an infinite could never be transversed, i.e. an infinite can neither have an end or beginning. Most people, when considering the idea of the infinite, only see time's arrow pointing in one direction into the eternal future. However, when considering this concept properly, we must accept the fact that the time direction arrow must point to the past as well. This would mean that all the previous moments of time would have had to have been transversed in order to arrive at today. Considering things from that point in time at which we stand today, it follows that there must now have been, therefore, a finite, a limited number of moments before arriving at today, or we would never have arrived at today. In other words, to arrive at today, there must have been a finite number of yesterdays. Time, therefore, must have a beginning, and if it had a beginning, it must have had a cause in order to come into existence. The cause of this and everything else that exists is that which we call God. And therefore I believe this is why God must be seen to exist. Even the great 18th century sceptic and philosopher David Hume recognised this when he wrote, I have never asserted so absurd a proposition as that anything might arise without a cause. The temporal world had a beginning, an infinite number of real parts passing in succession and exhausting one after another appears to me an evident contradiction. It follows that if this premise is true, there must be a creator of space and time as well as the universe or what we refer to as the cosmos. Therefore God does exist. If the universe we see and experience all around us exists, it is then clearly absurd to say that nothing caused this huge thing to exist, this huge a state of nothing, by definition, cannot exist and certainly has no power available to create anything. If the universe exists, then it becomes absurd to say that something came out of nothing. On the other hand, it is not absurd to say that someone, God, brought the universe into existence from a state of non-existence. Nothing cannot create something. However, something, or rather someone, i.e. God, can make something out of nothing 
using his own will. If the universe had a beginning, then there has to have been no universe, and then there would have been a point in time where there was a universe after which God had created it. This is the very root of the word creation. When seen in the Bible, it literally means out of nothing. In Latin, ex nihilo. There was first eternally God and nothing else. Then God brought something else into existence that had not existed up to that point. God thought it and it came to be. God is infinite, but the world and the universe he created are finite. Whether you believe that finite period of time covers thousands or billions of years, that is in fact irrelevant when compared to an eternal God. The Hebrew scriptures talk of God speaking things into existence. That does not mean that these pre-existed before God created them. The word came through God, but is not of God. He was its cause, but not its substance. This is entirely contrary to what the New Age and certain aspects of Eastern mysticism teach. An important point of division between Christianity and the Eastern religions and their New Age offshoots is that they do not hold a linear view of time. Christianity fundamentally at heart believes that time is linear and that human beings will ultimately be held responsible for the sins in their lives at some point in the future. A moral God is seen to call all to account and judge sin at the end of life. Christians believe that the world came into existence by him but was not made of him. The only place the world existed before God made it was in an idea in the mind of God. In this sense, only did the world pre-exist before it was brought into existence. Before the creation, time itself did not even exist. The universe and the world did not begin with a creation in time, but with the creation of time. The beginning, mentioned in Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, where it says, In the beginning God created, is in fact the very creation of time itself. Before the creation word was spoken, time itself did not even exist. Only finite minds need to exist within the constraint of time's arrow, and only imperfect beings like you or me can in a sense be constrained by time. Unexplored time we can experience as boredom or weariness and feel in a sense we have time to kill. Our human recognition of the passing of time or even the very feeling of boredom or tediousness, are just a sign of our state of imperfection and dissatisfaction. God, however, is perfect, and he must by nature be perfectly and eternally creative and eternally satisfied. Even with an eternity to exist within, his infinitely creative mind is always going to be completely creatively satisfied. Finally, this perfect, infinite, creator, creative God exists in orthodox Christian understanding as three persons in one and he remains eternally in that state of perfect fellowship with himself. The God revealed in the Christian Bible is understood to be someone of perfect understanding, perfect love and fellowship which exists within a unity of relationship within himself and we shall consider this in more detail later in the book.
Okay, that's it for today. That's chapter two, looking at the beginnings of all things. That's the second in my 14-day mini-series, the bonus series, which will be looking where I shall be considering what the Bible has to say about good and evil, how we understand it, how Christianity has interpreted good and evil in the world, and how to distinguish good from evil, and really address those questions that some would throw at us, which would say that there is no such thing as absolute good or evil. So come back tomorrow for that, and I do hope you find it helpful. If you're here for the first time, there's an opportunity to subscribe to this podcast wherever you happen to be getting your podcasts from, and that way you'll never miss another single episode. But also there's an opportunity to visit the podcast where it's hosted on the bibleproject.buzzsprout.com, and there you will find things like transcripts of the talks that I do, as well as links to other platforms and other places where I make other teaching available. Places like my Patreon page, where new and bonus material is always put first, and people can support and partner with this ministry if they wish, alongside places like LinkedIn, where I tend to put more structured discipleship training type courses, and YouTube, where the long-term archive of these podcasts is going to be kept and curated. So having said all that, thank you again for joining me. Thank you particularly for taking the time to spend with me and with the Word of God. I do hope you're being encouraged and benefiting from it, and I'll see you right back here tomorrow. Well, it'll be tomorrow for me. Whatever day that suits you is absolutely fine. Bye-bye for now.